Hello, hello. Welcome back to Snot, or uh, Some Nights on the Internet. I'm Jesus, and uh, there's going to be a couple of things changing with Snot. Um, so we're still in our infancy with, you know, not even 30 episodes, but um, we're always looking to better and always looking to just make it more entertaining for you guys. Um, so before we had Eric usually come in and introduce a show, and then it'd sit with me and Josh and maybe some other people sometimes. But, um, you know, life's getting busy for some of those folks. So right now it'll just be really me and then sometimes they'll join in sometimes i'll have other people join in and we'll do more of the episodes where we talk with other people that we find interesting like um a couple months ago we did that cosplay edition where we talked to all these amazing people from different parts of the world and learned really what it meant to be a cosplayer um so we'll be doing stuff like that and just trying to make things more fun for everyone um but yep so it's just jesus and um this is the new snot this is version 2.0 um so I'm recording this today on Sunday, October 29th, uh, and so we got a couple days till Halloween's coming up, and uh, I've always thought it was interesting, you know, Halloween has always been a an interesting, uh, eventful kind of holiday. Um, it's not my favorite. I want to say my favorite is probably Thanksgiving because... Um, you know, we have all the family come over and we just share and we just eat all day. You know, I love eating. Um especially good food like turkey and um, stuffing and gravy and corn and, you know, just the cornbread. Everything amazing about Thanksgiving is something that not all the other holidays, like, uh, incorporate. There's not enough food. Um, but uh, so I've always wondered, like, what Halloween was actually about. Like, who first started dressing up and why do they do it? You know, a lot of the traditions we have now, uh, if you look back, and history started because of some weird stuff. And I think Halloween was one of those. Um, so I'm here on history.com and we're going to read a little bit about uh, how Halloween came to be. So it says Halloween is an annual holiday, obviously, celebrated each year on October 31st that has roots in age-old European traditions. Uh, it originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints. Soon, all saints, they incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain. The evening known before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. Over time, Halloween evolved into a day of activities like trick-or-treating or carving jack-o'-lanterns. Um, around the world, as days grew shorter and nights grew colder, people continued to usher in the season with gatherings, costumes, and sweet treats. And I wonder how many other places share or do Halloween the same way we do here in the States. Um, I've been to, you know, I've been around the world, uh, not, not around the world. I've been around the States, uh, like four states. So let's not even say that. <laughs> uh, I've been to Texas and Florida where the, in California, they were all kind of the same, the same incorporation of Halloween, right? I mean, you just dress up and go knock on doors for, for candy. So I wonder what they do in other parts of the world, like Europe or uh, Asia or stuff like that. Like just, I wonder how seamless it is to go from one place to another. Um, so it says, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to read it all, but let's see, ancient origins of Halloween. Uh, so it dates back to the ancient Celtic festival. Yeah, the Celts who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France celebrated their new year on November 1st. 
Okay. This day marked the end of the summer and the harvest and the beginning of a dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to Earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort and direction during the long, dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge, sacri- uh, huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal skins and heads, uh, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. That's freaking crazy. Imagine sitting around a campfire and everyone's wearing a different head, uh, telling stories oh, of heads and skins. So, shit, I wonder how big the animals had to be, right? I mean, was it their actual heads or was it just some incorporation of that? Pretty weird. Uh, When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which uh, they had extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them from the coming winter. Okay. Um, Okay, so it's a little fact. One quarter of all the candies sold annually in the United States is purchased for Halloween. That's fucking crazy. Uh, By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple. And the incorporation of the celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. And that's interesting. That actually, bobbing for apples, I haven't done that shit in a very long time. I can't, I can't remember when I started, and I definitely don't remember when it ended. But I definitely have stuck my face in a tub of water for an apple. Also, if you think about it, it's like... How how weird is that to, I mean, when you're a kid, you didn't really give a shit. But as an adult, you kind of look at it and be like, huh, there was three, four, three or four people before me and their mouth juice and saliva is in that bucket now. Like there, there's a, there's a very, there's not a, there's a very small chance that I'm not going to get whatever was in their mouth. Um, so I, that should, that should be looked into, but especially kids, you know, kids mouths are always dirty doing eating mud and doing weird shit, whatever kids do nowadays. But, um, so yeah, so we could skip a little bit to like, okay, so let's just look at the trick or treat aspect, right? So barring from English and Irish traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick or treat tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween, they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple pairings, or mirrors. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday, more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. 
Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of the Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. Wow, so that's interesting to think that it started off as people asking for food or money. Um, and then women believing that on Halloween they could try to get a man by doing tricks and shit. That's interesting. And that's always a, um, it's always a fun thing to think about. Like nowadays, I feel at least like there's, there are men trying their hardest, their damnedest to try to get a woman. And apparently a few, a few hundred years ago, it was the, the complete opposite. So it's interesting to see, uh, that dynamic as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the brief history of Halloween, I suppose, and uh, the introduction of trick-or-treating and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's good to kind of like always know the history of these things because it, it's fun sometimes, you know, like, I mean, the, the Celts were worried that the day was, you know, um, they just wore costumes to ward off ghosts. I mean, they were literally thinking that ghosts were going to come through and kill them unless they had something to show like, Hey, fuck off. Like we're, we're here to, we're here to fight. And then now it's more like, Oh, I'm addressed as a little cat because that's what I want to do. So I think it's fun to, to think of it like that. Um, so another article about Halloween. Uh, so these are famous ghost stories that are actually true. Um, apparently, and will give you nightmares. Uh, and I, I, I kind of skimmed through it beforehand and I saw that it was a, there was a couple of these things on the, the list that was from like movies, like the conjuring and shit like that. So that'll be interesting to, um, to look into. Uh, actually that's the first story is, uh, the conjuring. So, um, it says, perhaps you've seen the movie, the conjuring, which details the paranormal experience of the parent family after they moved into the farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island in 1970. The story is actually true, and the family has called the movie an accurate depiction of what happened to them during their 10 years there at the hands of a menacing spirit and former residence, Bathsheba Sherman. During her time in the 1800s, Bathsheba filled the role of a housewife, while her husband Judson worked as a farmer on their land. Fairly well off, Bathsheba and Judson had a son, Herbert L. Sherman, uh, bef- born when Bathsheba was approximately 37 years of age in March of seven. Uh, March of 1849. History versus Hollywood reported, uh, it is possible that they have had three other children as well, all of whom did not survive past the age of seven, though no census records could be uh, found to confirm these reports. So they had three other kids that didn't pass the age of seven? That's fucking weird. Um, That's... uh, I wonder how they died. While other spirits have said to have haunted the family, Bathsheba was the only one reported to be on wreaking havoc, uh, to be set on wreaking havoc on the parent family, um, particularly the mother, Carolyn, whom Bathsheba allegedly even possessed at one point. Uh, while she was alive, Bathsheba was accused of being a witch, stirring to the premature death of her other children and the death of another infant in her care, uh, which the video Edge of Nightfall claims was caused by a sewing needle being inserted into the child's brain. It is reported that Bathsheba also used a sewing needle to torment Carolyn. Um, also, the Perrin family aren't the only ones who have experienced supernatural activity while living in the house. Everyone who has lived in the house that we know of has experienced this. Some have left screaming and running for their lives. Um, Perrin, author of House of Darkness, House of Light, um, about his her experiences living in the house as a child, told the Talapusa Journal. 
Um, the man who moved in to begin the restoration on the house when we sold it left screaming without his car, without his tools, without his clothing. He never went back to the house. Okay, that's interesting. So I could definitely see how people would see her as a witch. Like, I mean, you have three kids that of yours that died before the age of seven and apparently another one in your care by a sewing needle. Um, it's just kind of hard to believe that you're not a witch at that point. Cause I mean, what else, how, what, how else could you explain that? I'm surprised they, they never kind of try to burn her or anything Salem style. Um, let's see the Mothman. That seems interesting. Um, the 2002 film, The Mothman Prophecies, depicts characters seeing a giant moth-like creature appear before catastrophic events. While this might seem like an episode of The X-Files, the story is actually based on real occurrences in the small, tight-knit community of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, during 1966 and 1967. According to the Mothman documentary, um, dozens of... sorry. According to the Mothman documentary, dozens of townsfolk claim to have seen the Mothman, described as a seven-foot-tall bird-like creature. About a year after the Mothman first began appearing, a steel bridge connecting West Virginia and Ohio mysteriously collapsed during rush hour, killing 46 people. Survivors reported seeing the Mothman just before the collapse, and after the tragedy, the sightings of the Mothman stopped. Uh, while some people think seeing the Mothman right before the collapse was an indication that the mythical creature was responsible, others believe the appearances of the Mothman during the year prior to the collapse was actually a warning. So that's interesting. I wonder, the Mothman, so they kind of just envisioned this fucking creature appearing before things happen. So... I mean, if its purpose was to prevent a tragedy, showing there like a couple minutes before it happened or a couple hours is not really doing its job, right? Like, he should be there a week prior, maybe set up a camp and say, hey, so there's this thing that's going to happen in a little bit. You should not be crossing that bridge at this point. But um, it'd, be, it'd be fun to see actual documentation. I have not seen the documentary and I have not seen the movie, but um, reading this kind of makes me interested in it now. Um, another one is Robert the Doll. Oh, we've already covered that. Ah, oh, whatever. So we did an episode on Robert the Doll earlier where, um, it's kind of like the, uh, Annabelle story. Um, so this is another one I had no idea was based in reality. Apparently the writer of Child's Play, which features demonic doll and killer Chucky is based on Robert Eugene Otto's real life experiences growing up with a cursed voodoo doll in Key West, Florida. Uh, according to the video, Robert the Daw, the true story of child's play, Otto talked to the doll when he was a child. His family would find, his family would find things missing or moved in his room, and they regular regu fuck this word always fucks me up. And they regularly there you go oh great heard him screaming at night. Honestly, I find dolls super creepy, but if you also want to pair a scary game with this paranormal doll story, check out the game Hide and Seek Alone, which involves some scary as fuck playtime with a doll. Scared yet? If you still don't believe and want some more fear fodder for... Okay, so that's the end of that. Uh, yeah, Robert's doll is an interesting thing. Um, people said that... Uh, he makes him feel weird. If you disrespect him, that's when he comes out and does some weird shit. The dude basically looks like a sailor uh, with a little teddy bear sitting down. So dolls are fucked up to begin with, especially like really well-designed dolls like the Annabelle doll and then this Robert the doll. It's just like, I mean, as a child, I don't understand the point of a doll, 
right? So, I mean, that's your basic. Well, then again, I guess they sell like they sell little babies for like little girls. Like, hey, like this is how we're gonna prepare you for motherhood. So here's like a little baby, like. Like, they sell trucks to boys and tools to boys, but they sell little dolls and fucking kitchen uh, appliance equipment to little girls. But, I mean, has anyone ever had a doll they've grown up with? Like, have you had a good experience with that? Or has it always been, like, a really bad situation growing up with a doll? I think that'd be interesting. Um, cool. So, those were those were two stories about Halloween. Um Hopefully we can do another podcast on Halloween or maybe before then, something like that, just to kind of do like a seasonal podcast. That'd be kind of cool, but that's basically it. Uh, we had a Halloween party here last night, and I was, uh, I was the, what is it? I wanted to be Hugh Hefner, but I didn't really, I had the robe and I had the shirt and I had the little hat, but it wasn't really selling at the party. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try a different take because I had a backup in mind. I was going to be the, uh, the Dos Equis man if, uh, Hugh Hafner didn't, uh, pan out. So, um, I pulled up an old coat that I had that was like a, it was like a felt, I don't know what the, I don't know what the fuck that, um, material is. It was just real soft. So it was like a dark blue, kind of like a prom blue. And then I threw in some black Wranglers and I came out with hair slicked back and some brown shoes and the Dos, the Dos Equis guy costume worked. So if you're in the mood for Halloween, always have a plan B because if plan A doesn't go right, at least you'll have your plan B, which might save the night. Um, so let's see. Someone who won't be making it to Halloween is a 14-year-old model, apparently, after a grueling 12-hour fashion show. Um, wow. So it says... Vlada Zuba, 14, reportedly died after a grueling 12-hour fashion show in Shanghai. The teen model from Perm in the Urals, Russia, collapsed backstage and fell into a two-day coma before passing away. Wow. So the Siberian Times had said that the preliminary cause of death is meningitis compounded by severe exhaustion. Vlada's mother, Oksana, wasn't with her daughter at the fashion show, but she was in contact throughout. Man, that's that sucks so much. I mean, how is she even allowed to to be at the fashion show without adult supervision? I mean, that's why they do that shit. Um, plus, uh, fuck, how, how could you be a mom and not want to be there? Whatever. She was calling me saying, Mama, I'm so tired. Uh, I so much want to sleep. It must have been the very beginning of the illness, and then her temperature shot up. I didn't sleep myself and was calling her constantly, begging her to go to the hospital. Um, the tragic case highlights the dangerous conditions that models can be forced to endure to try and succeed in a cutthroat industry. Um, before we move on, so there's this movie called The Neon Demon. Um, and it's an Amazon Prime special, which I guess they released on DVD. Uh, and I bought the Blu-ray version of it. But it's kind of, it's a, it's a weird model-based uh, story about this girl trying to make it big. And then when she did make it big, uh, well, I guess there's spoilers ahead. But us, uh, the other models didn't like that. And they did weird shit to her to try to gain um, that, I guess, that look, right? Um, but you can watch the movie and figure it out. But that's that's an interesting... The whole model industry is crazy, too. Um, when we were doing the cosplay edition episodes, we talked with Sophia Stace, and she's a model. Um, and she kind of elaborated that, um, for the most part, it's kind of a weird... You kind of have thick skin after a while, you know. And also, 
a lot of people take that shit to heart, man. I mean, they're trying so hard to be a model. And uh, with so many people telling them, oh, you're not good for this look. You're not this and that. That can really tear you down. Um, but fuck, to do a grueling 12-hour fashion show, you're already starving. You're already disorientated. You're not in your home country. It's just it's tough, man, for a 14-year-old girl. But um, at just 14 years old, uh, most modeling agencies would consider Vlada too young to begin working as a model. Uh, however, in an industry that is obsessed with youth, beauty, and thinness, you can see how there would be pressure to use younger and younger models as those beauty standards become more and more unrealistic as people age. So it's focusing so much on the surface appearance as fashion necessar necessarily must. It is tragic that sometimes people's inner lives are ignored. There have been uh, several high case profile or there have been several high profile cases of eating disorders or drug addictions among models. But in Vlada's case, it was less dramatic, but equally dangerous uh, illness that was missed. Um, the Siberian Times is reporting that she did not go to the hospital when she felt ill because she had not been provided with medical insurance. She was working for a prominent Chinese modeling agency on a three-month contract. Our thoughts are with her family. Um, damn, so there's no medical insurance. That's why she didn't go. Uh, I wonder what the Chinese modeling agency has to say about that. Um, man, it's so crazy, too, um, thinking about how unrealistic these standards are. You know, like being a woman must be so hard. Just being as a man is, I suppose, like with the whole looking a certain way, being a certain size and whatever. Um, just it's kind of crazy how it's developed to this after all those years. Um, it's like those little girls that get into those beauty pageants. It's like, man, you're a little girl. Like, what the fuck? Like, go, go enjoy yourself. Go live life. Like, why are you going to try to be something like get all dolled up and try to learn how to tap dance and do all this crazy shit just to appease judges and how could you be a grown-ass judge doing that like okay like your daughter has a chance of being a superstar like i'm gonna be a judge to judge little girls trying to be older girls um it's just fucking crazy that that shit's that shit's still around um so here's another one uh women ask crushes on dates and the responses were brutal Okay, so a blogger went on a mission to empower the women of Twitter to make the first move on the guys they fancied. So Dami Alanisakin, 27, is a sex and relationships blogger who triggered an enormous thread of anxiety-inducing conversations between men and their female admirers. The whirlwind Twitter thread takes you on a journey through blossoming uh, romance and the beginning of beautiful relationships but also brutal raw heartbreak when the guys responded with blunt rejection. Um, this little tweet, ladies ask that guys, ladies ask that guy you fancy out, oh fuck, ladies ask that guy you fancy out on a date and tweet me a screenshot of his response. Okay, so she said, so I started it because I wanted to show women it's okay to make the first move. It's very possible for men to be shy. So showing an interest can go a very long way. I think the responses have been good. It seems as though it's made a lot more women confident when it comes to talking about the opposite sex. As for the brutal ones, I don't see it as a huge deal. It just shows that uh, it just shows you the worst someone can say is no. And if that does turn out to be the case, don't let it discourage you. Instead, moving on swiftly. Um, at least you know. So this is without a doubt her favorite response. Um, so the girl says, hey, you want to go on a date with me? And the dude says, are you trying to have kids with me? Um, so this guy was really jumping to conclusions. 
Let's see, the purpose of challenges like this is to help women take dating into their own hands instead of waiting around. Doing it on a public platform such as Twitter also helps boost the confidence of other men and women to shoot their shot. Um, So another one says, hey, you want to go on a date with me? And they say, hey, of course. Uh, it is tradition that men would make the the first move, um, but according but according to a survey by dating site OkCupid, women who make the first move increase their chances of dating more attractive men. The studies show that uh, when a woman contacts a man first, thirty percent of those messages turn into a conversation. Women are two and a half times more likely to get a response than men when are when they initiate contact. Let's see. How would you like to go on a date with me? Yes, great. Um. Dating apps such as Bumble have also come about recently, turning gender expectations into dating on their head and encouraging a better balance between who makes the first move. Um, uh, let's see. A lot of them were extremely brutal. Fuck. A lot of them were extremely brutal. So it says, uh, hey, you want to go on a date with me with an X? And the guy says, huh? You and me? L-O-O-L. So he's just like, nah. Uh, okay, that's that's one brutal one. Uh, never again. Uh, let's see. After the LOL, Erm, why do you want to go? Why do you want to go on a date with me? Question mark. And she said, LOL, why not? He says, it won't go anywhere, so no point. Oh, you don't want it to go anywhere? Not really. LOL, it was for Twitter. Okay. Someone said, ask a male friend if you would go on a date and wait for a reaction. He says, LOL. Um, wow. Uh, so she's trying to play it off like most guys do like, Oh shit. Like my boy grabbed my phone or like, <laughs> or like, Oh, it was, you know, this is all for dare. Damn. That's crazy. She should have just, uh, should have just threw out that fire, uh, threw that water on the fire. Another one. Hey, want to go on a date? Uh, missed you. says with who have you got a girl for me? She says, are you taking the piss? Okay. You know, I wanted your friend. That's funny. So he's like, you know, I wanted your girl. Why are you trying to ask me? Um, want to go on a date with me? You can no longer send direct messages to this person. <laughs> Just when I thought we had hit rock bottom, he's getting married next week. Are you in Lagos? Yes, I am. Just been busy. I'd like us to go on a date. I'm asking you on a date. Whenever you're free, could be next month. Oh, wow, that's kind. I'm getting married next week. <laughs> so there's this a bunch of girls that are doing this. Do you want to go on a date with me? Oh, baby, fuck no. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Oh, this girl's just setting other girls up. As advice when you are asked out, Alani said that they should only say yes if they're truly interested because sometimes women go on dates out of sympathy or not knowing how to say no, leading that person on. As Alani points out, not all men are extroverted and socially confident enough to waltz up to someone and ask them out. So imagine all these shy guys women could be missing out on by playing the archaic rules. Uh, let's go on a date. Sorry, let's go on a date and not as friends. LOL. I'll plan everything. Just say yes, please. Your phone is breaking up. I'll text you back when you have better service. <laughs> Alani said most. Uh, Alani said she mostly takes her own advice, but slips up now and then, as we all do. Following the success of hashtag date challenge, she will be holding another challenge on November first. So please keep your eye peeled. Um, but it's crazy, you know. It, it's like uh, I kind of suffer from, from that too. Not a, not on the whole the self confident thing, but it's 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 always weird to just walk up to someone and be like, "Hey, girl, like let's go on a date," or 
uh, hey, I like you, this and that. Because if you think about it, like imagine you go you go to a club, okay, and you're you're just kind of watching someone. You're saying, okay, I like this girl, but why do you like this girl? And it's it's really because the only thing you have is just what she looks like. Like you like her because she looks a certain way. Um, so to go up to someone and say, hey, I like how you look. Let's go dance. That's just that's kind of intimidating because I mean, what if you start dancing with her and she turns out to be something like she turns out to kind of be weird or like maybe not reflecting on what you like and when you guys start talking it kind of goes nowhere so I'm always kind of considering those options but it's all it's also just shut up and do it I guess but and it's interesting I, I think I might uh I'm gonna keep that in mind when I go out um but hopefully it, it, I'm sure a lot of people have these kind of problems whether it's going up to women talking to them or just kind of like uh just think especially if someone has like a really big history of being rejected i'm sure it's tough to even get out of the house sometimes uh you know and when someone's talking to you in your mind you're thinking like fuck are they talking to me because they're wanting wanting to get something or like what are they trying to do like what's what's the purpose of this right now um and that can kind of lead lead yourself to a dark path um and uh so obviously the last article i'm gonna read is one that we all know um, apparently we all need to know. And apparently you've been wiping your ass wrong your whole life, according to doctors. So we went from talking about Halloween to models to dating advice to now why you're wiping your ass right. So as you can tell, this show is going to, the show's crazy. The show's just whatever the hell comes up in life. And, um, it's just like life. Life is, you know, crazy and random. So you've been wiping your bum wrong your whole life, according to doctors, um, wrong. What do you mean wrong? Are we supposed to wipe in a different direction or with a slower speed? Um, the real issue is what we actually use, not how. So according to expert Rose George, who has written a book called the big necessity, the unmentionable word of human waste, sorry, the unmentionable world of human waste and why it matters. We should stay clear of ordinary. Fuck. Man, I just, let me drink some of this water. Cause I'm not, words aren't coming out right. So the unmentionable world of human waste and why it matters, we should stay clear of ordinary, ordinary, we should stay well clear of ordinary toilet paper. She told Tonic, um, I find it rather baffling that millions of people are all walking around with dirty anuses when thinking they are clean. Toilet paper moves shit, but it doesn't remove it. You shouldn't shower with a dry towel. Why do you think that to dry toilet paper cleans you? Uh, it's a fair point, even if the idea of everyone I see on the street having a dirty ass is gross. Rose recommends bidets. What? How, oh fuck, how does it say? It's like bidets. There you go, bidets. Uh, Rose recommends bidets, those funky bum cleaning devices you see in toilets uh, when abroad. So what? We all just got up and splashed money on a bidet. There's not going to happen. What's the cheap alternative? Wet wipes, biodegradable, plastic-free wet wipes. Don't believe me? Take Will I Am's words for it. He exclusively used them. Uses them. So, okay. So, it's basically saying, like, dry toilet paper is just moving this shit. So... That's always a weird conversation, too. And it makes sense. I've heard that bidets are going crazy. Like, uh, that that's like the correct way to clean yourself because you're basically using water to remove the shit from your butt. And even using uh, those baby wipes. Baby wipes are dope for that reason. That's why babies need that shit. Um, so you get all the ass out so there's no infection or whatever. So I wonder... 
I wonder how it would be because I mean, you know, when you wipe with that that baby wipe, it feels kind of funky, you know, like you kind of have to follow up with a dry piece of toilet paper to make sure that you're not kind of squishing around feeling like a contact lens, you know. So I wonder how different life would be by doing that. I've heard um, people that I've worked with actually switch to a bidet and uh, they have no complaints for it. And plus you can, you can alternate the temperature of the water. So it could be like a little rough. It could be a little cold. It could, it's just a whole new world of possibilities. Um, they also make this thing where, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's kind of like a, 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 like a stand that props your legs up. So like the, the way it comes out is a lot more natural because apparently the proper way to go to the restroom is like when you pop a squat and that kind of like where your legs are kind of up and your butt's kind of directed out. So that's what that stands for. So if anyone's been using that or anyone has changed their life in that way, please let me know because I'd like to, I'd like to, to know if it's just all for gimmicks or not. But so that was basically it. That's all we ha- That's all I have today for right now. Um, <coughs> But um, if I don't make a Halloween episode, if you're listening to this, I uh, really appreciate it. And I want you guys to know that I'm doing this because uh, I feel like this is fun for me. Um, I like talking about things like just random things. I like uh, communicating. I like hearing some feedback, you know. So if you're if you're listening to this on iTunes, SoundCloud um, or just on you or YouTube, um, please just leave a review, leave a like, just do whatever you can to let it be known that either you hate me or you love me. Um, feel free to send an email to loudbunchmedia at gmail.com. That's L O D, uh, fuck. That's L O U D B U N C H M E D I A, uh, loudbunchmedia at gmail.com again. And on Instagram, we are loudbunchmedia as well. And even on Facebook and fuck even on YouTube. So we got Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and email loudbunchmedia um and then just to end uh i want to try to do this every time i have a podcast so i can kind of recollect um some goals in life and some just kind of things to think about so the thought of the day would be to never stop moving forward um i know that it's hard sometimes when the world kind of looks grim or when you feel a certain way but you should always kind of keep trying to go forward I find comfort knowing that um, I can easily keep myself entertained and content by doing things that interest me, which is a podcast, which is sometimes writing now, reading, playing Xbox. Um, Just do something to keep you your mind stimulated, something to keep going, because there's a lot of things out there nowadays that can trick you into giving up your time, whether it be TV shows, movies, movies. just drama on on Facebook, just anything that that kind of is mind numbing. I wouldn't go forward because it's kind of like eating fast food all the time. You know, um, it's sure it's there and sure it's fast and easy and it's obviously good, but it's it's bad for you, man. Like having those constant distractions in life just kind of weigh you down. And at the end of the day, when you feel like shit, when you feel like you're not contributing to anything, that that becomes what you think about, and that's just real negative. Um, I can talk about that from experience because that's how I've been feeling, uh, lately feel like, you know, I'm plateauing and I feel like I need to step up and do new things and experience new, new journeys and just keep going on because right now it's, I feel like it's, it's not coming to an end, but it's coming to halt. And, you know, I'm 23 now, so I need to, I need to keep doing it because when I get older, it's going to be a lot harder to do some of these things. So 
And that's just the thought of the day. Keep moving forward. Keep being gangster. Keep doing cool ass shit. Um, again, follow me uh, everywhere on Loud Bunch Media. Send me some cool stuff. And hopefully we will talk soon. And I appreciate you guys for uh, checking me out and being a awesome and supportive group. Thank you.